1: New business growth has exploded in recent years, enabled by new innovative tools, and a tech stack built to allow anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur to be one. Austin's ecosystem is helping to drive this with local unicorn Zen Business. To help me dive into these trends and their effect on business owners and the economy is Samir Gulati, the Chief Product Officer and President of FinTech at Zen Business. Samir has more than 20 years of global experience as an operating executive, advisor, and technologist in the financial services sector. Prior to Zen Business, he was the president and COO of Plastic, where he transformed the consumer payments startup to a B2B payments company. Gulati also held the role of COO and head of strategy at Lending Club, was a member of Lending Club's executive committee, and charted the course for Lending Club's eventual acquisition of Radius Bank. He was previously a partner at McKinsey and Company in London and New York where he advised executives and boards at financial institutions in the U.S., Europe, and Africa on the implementation and design of their digital transformation roadmaps. Samir holds an MBA from the University of Chicago and has an engineering degree from the Indian Institute of Technology, New Delhi. He serves on the board of CAR IQ, an AI-driven payments platform, revolutionizing vehicle-initiated payments. Samir, welcome to Austin Next. Thank you,
2: Jason. Delighted to be here. So we've seen a huge explosion in AI tools, ChatGPT, MidJourney. We've seen tools like Shopify democratizing the e-commerce world. How is it something like Zen Business fits into all this?
0: You know, first of all, I think it's it's fantastic to see so many options emerge for customers because folks are becoming hyper-specialized and I love seeing how the ecosystem is growing. And, you know, Zen Business fits into what we call the business operating system category, but specifically and best suited for new business owners in the services industry. So think about a doctor, a plumber, somebody in the construction space. These are the folks who are not as well served by, you know, companies that are focused on e-commerce. And some folks use the shorthand to describe Zen Business, which is, you know, Shopify for the service businesses, which is a pretty good you know, shorthand as far as shorthands go. But we live and breathe to be the place where a new business owner can confidently start their business and then grow it and do all of the running of the business on our single platform. And and most of those things are better suited to services businesses than to, say, somebody in e-commerce or manufacturing. I feel like I've heard and
2: seen a lot of Different technology platforms trying to go after this realm because I've heard a lot about like the painters, the plumbers, this kind of blue collar service where haven't been touched. You know, it's still very much either I don't even want to see the spreadsheet, it's the clipboard, it's still how we're doing things, it's the phone. From my perspective, and this is not being touching into it, I don't know how much adoption that we've seen. One, is that correct? Have we not seen a lot of adoption? And why is that? And is, is this starting to change or is, is Zen Business actually breaking through into this?
0: It's a great observation, Jason. I, I think this is a hard customer base to serve. Every single one of them is a snowflake. What they're trying to do, how they're going about it, how high their intent is around it, how much resource they have around actually devoting to the business is very, very different. And so it's been a hard nut to crack, undoubtedly. That said... The recent technological advancements have made it possible to provide hyper-personalization at a relative cost-effective, scalable way. And and Zen Business, I'm delighted to say we have been able to do that. It's always still a journey, but we've, we've made strong headway there. The other thing that is very unique about us is that we always start with a new business owner who is looking to formally register their business. So our first product in front of them is a company registration like an LLC or a C-Corp or an S-Corp designation. And what that has allowed us to do is capture the customer at a point in time when they have their signaling high intent around their business aspirations. And the rest of the software stack follows that initial action of a company formation. And we're finding that if you reorient the problem to saying, for every person who starts an LLC, How do you help them be successful in growing their business and in painlessly running their business? There's a templatized version that uh, we are seeing very good success in.
2: Do you see the customer base being correlated to the complexity of where they live? So Texas is known for being a more business-friendly, lower-tax state versus, say, California's being the opposite. So do you see a better customer base where like, hey, please help me deal with the higher level of regulations, the more complex paperwork, or is it kind of broad scale? Hey, give me that one button push to start my business and be able to deal with all of regulations in general.
0: You know, the underlying driver is more of a societal and generational shift we are seeing towards entrepreneurship and business ownership which got accelerated through COVID, but has actually sustained and is still going strong past that. The state-by-state differences are very relevant. However, it's a double-edged sword. There are certain states which are very new business owner-friendly, and that results in more people starting businesses, and we see the benefit of that. There are other states where it's actually quite hard to do that, and there people come to us because we are so customer-obsessed. Our goal is, you know, twofold. One, we want to increase the number of entrepreneurs becoming entrepreneurs. And I don't know if you're familiar with this term, entrepreneur. These are folks who always want to start a business, they want to, but they never actually take that first step. And we want to give, we want to be the place and the platform that gives them the confidence to take that first step. That's number one. And the second one is reducing the failure rate of new businesses. It's, I suspect, you and the listeners on this podcast likely know, you know, a very high percentage of new businesses never make it to the first 12 months, you know, between 20 and 30%. And that number stays relatively high for the next year. After two years, it becomes more stable. And, and we're on a mission to give people the confidence to step into entrepreneurship, but also help them reduce their failure rate. We see folks coming to us for both reasons.
2: Yeah, there's so many different challenges, whether it be the creation of products, the dealing with all the regulation, whether it's the again the e-commerce world creating all these different channels. And I see the the business tech stack for the early stage single person really starting to explode. One of the things that I think is interesting is that we've seen the disruption in AI we all thought it was originally going after blue collar, right? Self-driving cars, robots in manufacturing. And it's been, it's been flipped instead. It's like, Oh God, coders are going to be gone in five years. It was, it was funny the other day. <laughs> I I've never coded in my entire life. And I had a website issue that literally I just wanted badges on my website and they were, I got them from a, from a, for a podcast thing and they stacked them, you know, one on top of the edge. I had three and I wanted them to be, you know, horizontal and I got the HTML code because I was just stick it in the website. And I was like, what if I threw it into chat GPT? Could you, could you do this for me? It was five seconds. And it's like, here's the code right. to do it. This it was like, okay, this is a whole new world. I've not done like two or three times using it for HTML. So it, it's, it's amazing. This kind of like these superpowers, but then it comes into the, now we're talking about these service businesses where, you know, as you said, these, these, the plumbers, the carpenters back to working with their hands where they now seem to be a lot more insulated from at least right now the you know, it's now it's really interesting you know when we're doing this the the ai having eyes and i know the the open ai um you know it's fixing the bike
0: that was fascinating wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> i'm counting
2: down the uh the seconds until i get this and i'm like you know i haven't gotten it yet i'm like please i want to i want to play with this but and so so we're seeing you know the back end with, with Zen business, but how are you seeing this kind of new emergence of this entrepreneurial class opening up with these tool sets that are available, including, you know, including Zen business?
0: Yeah. I mean, look, there, there are a couple of, we, I think as a human race, not to be grandiose, but I think this is true as a human race, we're still in the very early stages of figuring out what this actually means for us. And there are questions that range all the way from the, what does it mean to have a soul anymore? And is that the only differentiator to, you know. How is this going to impact us, our our jobs? and and
2: By the way, you're the first person that brought up the soul on the podcast. So you're a first.
0: (laughs) All right. There we go. There we go. Uh, I I suspect I will not be the last. But but in the near term, I think what is uh, very, very obvious is that people who use the AI tools will be better off than the ones who don't. I agree. You know, I'll, I'll leave the existential question aside for this discussion around will AI replace humans or not, but without a shadow of doubt, humans that are using AI will win against humans that are not using AI. And, and if you if you agree with that thesis, we are translating that into our platform in asking ourselves the question, what are the tools that our customers should be using to run their businesses? And, and, you know, asking this group of new business owners, many of who are doing this as a side hustle in addition to their full-time job, asking them to educate themselves on AI and how to modulate that to their context is too much of an ask. And, and so we are shouldering that responsibility and we are incorporating AI tools for them to use on our platform. As an example, you know, a lot of new business owners struggle with creating a marketing plan. They might go to a business course, they might look for a marketing consultant. We have given them the ability, in our experience, to create a personalized marketing plan using ChatGPT. And and because we did your your business formation, we know your location, we know your industry, we know you know the business thesis behind it, we know when you incorporated it, to some extent how much money you're making. So our ability to feed that into ChatGPT in a very automated, personalized way, without you having to learn anything about AI, just delights us when we see people using that and building their business on the back of that. Similar example to your website thing. The other area where we're using this is we have a website builder product because we believe that, you know, in this day and age, as a new business owner, you have to have a digital presence for customers to find you. We find that, you know, a significant number of our customers never actually build their business website. And now we have the tools, Jason, to build it for them when in the past it was cost prohibitive. So, what a large company could do in the past, we are now able to make that available using the latest tools and technology and really leveling the playing field in many ways as the platform that provides these tools to them in a hyper personalized way. Incredibly exciting stuff. I, I want to take it out
2: a, a couple steps, you know, the second and third order effects. Your Zen business is, is super successful. And let's just take a small region because when you think about some of the businesses we're talking about they don't necessarily scale geographically so i've got 50 different let's take plumbers in in, in my example and they're all using zen business to create their marketing plan there's going to be a set of overlap in that creation of the marketing plan that we're not going to see a lot of necessarily we'll see some personalization. But it's going to end up being, I think, in many ways, a, a race to the bottom. How do we add in innovation? How do we add in creativity? Because we're not going to see that that cycle of individual know-how, individual creativity, individual interest. Uh, you see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I think whether you know technology has gotten to a place where everyone looks and feels the same and there's no differentiation, I think is the question you're asking. I think there's a risk of that. First of all, I don't believe we are anywhere close to that happening broadly. I'm sure in certain very specific areas that's happening. But history has shown us, Jason, that every time there has been a technological wave that has threatened the status quo with a race to the bottom, that has actually happened. But in parallel, new business models have emerged. Right when the internet first came into the fore and became this widespread phenomenon, there was this thing of like, oh my God, distribution is going to completely get wiped out and anyone who had an advantage there, that's a race to the bottom. Well as history has shown us, the internet was the driver of so many more new business models that you couldn't have imagined in a world pre-internet. And and today some of the world you know the the, the most successful companies in the world were birthed out of that what was seen initially as a race to the bottom. So I'm optimistic about, you know, us figuring this out around new needs that emerge. And I think as I look at Zen Business, the concept of a company that we help register as a first step in your business journey, I suspect we will see some redefinition of that also in the next few years, which I don't know what it'll look like, but I'm pretty excited to, you know, be in the thick of helping figure it out. Well, and how do you think about
2: if we, and I agree, not everyone would look the same. I'm concerned about, or not concerned, but thinking around the, go with me with the scenario for a second, where all the marketing plans look relatively the same because we're in, if we have a relatively similar service, plumber in this case, and a relatively similar market, is this then the competitive dynamic where the person is at an advantage who doesn't use Zen business? or does zen business create an ability for someone to pull different levers that allow them to be different enough to have an advantage obviously if everyone presses the single button and says great give me your standard marketing plan and if you know 10 of 10 do that then it's we're going to create the you know it's relatively the same business but how do you enable the person who is going to be work harder is going to be different of those 10 plumbers to utilize your services in a different way to have a competitive advantage?
0: Great question. And I think what the other thing this technology allows us to do on behalf of our customers is to help them be more specific and less generic. So as an example, if we, if we take plumbers uh, as an example, you know, There are folks who are focused on commercial properties, even in the same local area. There are folks who are particularly good at, you know, remodels as opposed to the handyman kind of plumber. And in the past, the only way this person could sharpen their messaging and hence their marketing plan would be through, you know, this right word of mouth advice. My uncle was an entrepreneur and I go to him for advice or... I go and listen to 10 different influencers on YouTube and get heavily confused. Or there's some master plumber I follow and I kind of look at content they're putting out. Maybe I should do that. It's a very confusing world out there. But we now have the ability to say, look, if you're looking at the affluent neighborhood in Austin and you want to price this very differently and you want to offer not just plumbing services, but you want to partner with a handyman to do a bigger job as opposed to just come in and and that i think that's why i feel that this is actually people using zen business are going to have a competitive advantage relative to others who are not using this kind of platform or technology does that example help illustrate the difference
2: no it does it's, it says maybe we might be getting into more of a hyper specialization world which is you know the Everything's been so generic where it's like, I'm a plumber and maybe I go down to residential versus commercial, but we're now have the tool set to be extremely specialized and find, you know, and find those really micro niches that can be really beneficial. Like, as you said, like I, commercial remodels, I can really build out that niche. And it's a large enough one to be able to do And I've got the tool set to actually build out the marketing plan for that. Uh, and so like, no, that that really is interesting. And as you, in one of the things that I want to then circle back to, you said is that you are, at least your primary uh, customer right now is the net new. I want to start a business and go into that. I'm sure that there's a lot of people who already started a business who would then benefit from a lot of the tools, you know, whether it's you know, obviously they've, they've already incorporated. One, how are you, Targeting them, or you, I'm assuming they're not just leaving them completely on the table. And how do you kind of make that transition to building out this, their tool set for them?
0: Um, You know, great question. It's a a debate we have internally a lot. Uh, And in line with what I said uh, on behalf of our customers, I think it is much better to be really, really, really good at something than to be just okay at most things. Um, And uh, we believe that you know that initial formation of the company is a very strong signal and a wedge in the market. That said, a number of our customers start businesses and many months later, or maybe years later, decide to actually formally incorporate the business. And and you know they absolutely use us. We're delighted they come to us. Um, um, my my point was that. The, um, at least for now, we are focused on ensuring that if you want to register your business in, in the early stages of your business life, we would love to work with you and help you grow faster. And, and we believe we are the right platform for that. Over time, I certainly hope that we will be uh, you know expanding to folks who are not yet ready to register their business, however, uh, are starting their business journey. Does that distinction make sense?
2: it does i just think of when we're getting back to something you would said before about like the the generational divide and i think that there are thinking stepping away from zen business itself but just thinking about the the productivity benefits generally to us economically if hyper special let's let's go to the the world that you described this hyper specialization is a positive thing if the people who are best at the plumbing in remodels are doing that, and the people who are best at commercial, you know, new builds are doing that. That's better for productivity. That's better for the. That's better for the economy. Wages rise, et cetera. And so, thinking whether they are new to the new to business or new, already be doing this and being able to and, being, and moving into that space, you know, you see that uh, you know, baseline you know, Adam Smith economics. And so, when having seeing Zen business as a way to facilitate that happening, and have it, I just I just see that as a positive thing. And so, when you're right, whether someone is a W two or 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 ten ninety nine or whatever the the before they incorporate into a proper business, but just seeing that the the hyper growth that can occur when both, so I'm assuming that the people who you are getting who are more digitally native more i'm assuming it's a younger crowd who are using zen business correct me if i'm wrong and then the people who are already established business who would move over is a slightly older audience but but also probably a larger audience as well so i just from a market opportunity and a ability to affect larger change how do you go about getting the um you know moving that group, which is probably what is happening in those me- internal meetings, this is the argument that's occurring.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's more a question of when versus if, is how I would answer that, right? It's, we certainly believe that you gotta stay focused on winning in the market you're in before you spread your wings. And honestly, last year, five, more than 5 million Americans registered in LLC. It's a massive market just in itself. And that number has been an all-time high for the last two or three years running, right? It keeps growing and it keeps breaking new records. So there's a lot to do and help folks with right there. But without a doubt, the scale we are operating at this point, Jason, that next opportunity set is definitely knocking and that that knocking is getting louder every day, (laughs) which is a good thing, right? I love having that problem. Yes, uh,
2: high high demand, people wanting wanting the product. That's a, that's always a good position to be in. When you have 5 million people starting a new company and all of these different stacks of technology whether it's the, you know, the the back end automation, the Shopify and e-commerce, these AI, all of these different tools, how close are we to the one button company which is like I want to, you know, it's the prompt engineer. I want to create this, go, all of it's created. I mean, It's a a fun concept, but it it, it seems
0: tantalizingly close. I would agree. And I love the concept, by the way. I I really do. I do believe that we will see a version of that in the not-too-distant future. Uh, We're pretty close in a couple of subsectors, which are pretty much all digitally native, where the service itself is delivered digitally. I think those are the ones that will see that first. You know, at, at Zen Business, we are working towards that goal with a very strong customer obsession of how do we make it completely painless for you to really get a business stood up and and going. And and you know, the thing we think about internally is how do we free you up from all of the other stuff so you can spend eighty percent of your time in either getting customers or serving customers. And you know, that's a high bar already. And once you get there, you get to the next logical conclusion of like how do i make that 100% right including and in how you serve your customers so i love the concept and you know the one button push company we talked about the one button part i do want to come back to what i said earlier the company part is also i think going to get redefined in ways that you and i or others listening to this can't even imagine today and i think that's something that i'm pretty excited about seeing uh, where that takes us because today you know the definition of a company is You have registered it with the the Secretary of State, you have a name that is protected in that state, you do business as somebody, and you might be a sole owner or you might have partners. How that evolves, whether it is groups of people, whether it is partial shares, whether it is people running multiple companies becomes so much easier and involved because now you can, these are all exciting directions that we haven't even seen emerge yet.
2: Yeah I had a recent episode on uh, decentralized science and we had uh, you know DAOs on and one of the things we were talking about was not so much on the science itself but just on the institutional changes and how governance and funding was leading to different projects and different ideas being formed and so if we look at the nature of the companies and whether it's I mean you said it's a sole proprietorship or groups of people, or how we organize can be leading to different types of activities being done.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, think about if AI can drive productivity for people using those tools to a level where uh, you can do two full-time jobs in a 40-hour week, that really questions what a full-time job even means. So, you know, that's just one example of where this might go. But... In entrepreneurship and new business ownership itself, we are seeing a pretty clear shift, Jason, of folks who used to be 9 to 5 and 5 to 9, had two jobs. That profile is clearly shifting towards a 9 to 5 and a side hustle. Mm -hmm. And we see that every single day where folks come in and they tell us, I'm registering a business through you because I'm starting a side hustle as a first step, either towards running a business full time or because I'm looking for extra income for my family. And so we actually do see, as you said, certainly our demographic skews younger, but it also skews towards uh, more diverse, underrepresented folks. They're, they're using this as a way to expand their income potential. And you know the, the quote-unquote, the American dream is getting redefined, frankly, at a global stage through new business ownership.
2: We hear a lot about, you know, AI regulation a lot and in changing regulations constantly. I mean, I, I remember this is way back in the day, but I, I had to do a, a PowerPoint slide once on um, healthcare regulation. And the one thing that I could tell you was it was speeding up. The, the length of time between each regulation was speeding up as... One, how do you see regulation directly affecting companies like Zen Business? And two, when you're doing things like LLC uh, and, and registration, how do you keep up with all of the different rules and laws? Because as you said, like if we're going to register in Texas versus California versus Florida versus Alaska, you need to keep up so that when you're register when you're doing this, you got to make sure that you're compliant. And, and where does and then how does if things get screwed up? Is the company to blame? Is that business at
0: fault? How does that all come to play? It's a great question, and you know that is a challenge that is ever present, frankly. And so we have you know a team that stays up to date uh, on because we operate in all fifty states on on the regulatory requirements on behalf of our customers every single day. In fact, we also have line of sight into what regulation is coming down the tubes and what we need to build for our customers to keep it as painless as possible for them. But yeah, it's more than a full-time job. We do take accountability for it uh, as long as, you know, in terms of informing and doing things for our customers. But to be honest, when we're informing folks, new business owners are so busy, Jason, they don't always take action, right? So people do get fined for filing something late or, for not filing their taxes on file, uh, which, which is unfortunate to see, but we're always there to be able to help them. We also have, as an example, we have a product called Worry-Free Compliance, which basically monitors these things for you and uh, recognizing that sometimes mistakes are made, you know, that, that includes the ability for you to file an amendment free of cost outside of the package and so on and so forth. So we we are trying, but. Honestly, it's a moving target every single day.
2: They never make it easy for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, what, what keeps us going and energized is if it is complicated for us, just imagine how impossible it is for our customers to stay abreast of this. And and so we take that responsibility very, very seriously because they don't have the resources that we are privileged to have. And, and we feel like Given who we want to be for them, we, we got to stay on top of it uh, every single day.
2: yeah, and, and the problem is it's never, regulations are never, I'd say, quote, unquote logical, there, there's a reason behind the way that they've been done, but you can never just assume, well, it must be this way or that way. It's was done a particular way. I, I want to pivot for a moment from Zen, what Zen business does to Zen business itself. And Zen Business is headquartered in Austin, and it is one of our unicorns. However, you're in the Bay Area. Right. And so, which is an interesting kind of dynamic there. So I want to start off with, how do you perceive the talent needs of companies like Zen Business and the availability of local talent in something like Austin?
0: So talking about societal shifts, here's another one, right? Right. One of the smartest things among many smart things and many lucky things that Zen Business has done was the company went fully remote about two years ago, right at the beginning of COVID. And when I say fully remote, uh, we have embraced this in, in with full commitment, right? So there is no physical office that we have in Austin where folks get together and everyone else is dialing in. Everyone is working from their homes or home offices, whatever their individual setup is. Even though the weight of the company's headcount is still in and around Austin because of the founding team, but one of the key questions I had when I was joining the company, which is just under two years ago now, was, "Hey, do you get together socially in Austin? Like, is there is there conversation happen?" And the commitment to this remote work environment is so strong that actually that also doesn't happen, right? And that was important for me as one of the executives who was not in Austin. With that backdrop, I think that has alleviated some of the talent issues that many other companies face. Because for us, the the talent pool is not just limited to Austin, it's across the U.S. Frankly, it's global at this point. Admittedly, because the weight of the company is still around Austin, the expectation is that you're working central hours, whatever that means in a startup. Uh, Right. Uh, but outside of that, and, and, you know... It
2: just means you sleep the same time that Austin people sleep.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and as an example, I personally go to Austin once a quarter, usually around board meetings or an executive offsite. But outside of that, you know, right now I'm sitting in the corner of my living room. This is my home office. That's where I work from every single day. And uh, given that we really committed to making this work, we've, we've actually been quite successful at it. And and you know, I, I gotta I gotta give credit to our CO, Shanaz Himati, for holding the line on this because it's very, very easy and tempting to actually let that line slip now that fingers crossed, COVID is behind us. So how do
2: you deal with the not so much the pushback, but the collaboration, the serendipitous encounters, that aspect that is Not necessarily possible, um, or let's say that's not possible, but doesn't happen as much in a remote environment.
0: It's a very real concern. It's something that we are figuring out. I talked to a lot of other folks in other companies who are going through the similar things to see what's working and what's not working. And we don't quite have the answer, but so far, the benefits have certainly outweighed the either complexities or the downsides. I also feel that the, the model that works really well is a fully remote model with an injection, a focused injection of in-person either brainstorming, strong alignment. And, and that's a model I think most people are gravitating towards, right? It does mean that, you know, you have to coordinate travel ahead of time, etc. But those are very solvable problems uh, as long as you're committed to making it happen.
2: So one of the things that I've seen recently, and this is from well from a far end in person, is that the VC community is pushing back on the remote pretty hard. Now, one question, and you said this was you joined two years ago. So when they went fully remote, do you need a certain scale to go remote? So when you're at seed and A does it not make any sense because there's just, you're not at the stage to be able to scale and you still need that constant iteration versus the size that Zen is at. And you can say, yeah, we could, we're at a point now. I mean, one of the things I, I always kind of joke when, when especially the larger companies, Amazon or JP Morgan, they're like, you must be in person. We don't do remote. I'm like, you do remote. You have 50 offices around the world. Like, what are we talking about here? You've always been remote. You just happen to be, in office, in
0: different locations.
2: What is that, right? Versus, no, we're 20 people. That's slightly different when we're talking about remote.
0: Look, I think the world is pretty divided at this point on, you know, what...
2: Just a little bit, you think?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, just minor divergence on what the successful model is. I honestly got to, I got to say, you have to extend that question to saying, what is a successful model for us? And that is a function of your business model, but also of your stage. I I do believe that the stage of the company matters. If you're already at a place where a number of your processes are repeatable and they're already at scale, I think it's it's a lot easier, in my view, to operate in a very remote way. And as I think about, you know, Zen Business, where we need that injection of in-person energy, alignment, commitment problem-solving around the physical whiteboard, those areas aren't common across the company. There are some of our product areas, there are some of our processes which are well-embedded and well-set. Others where we are really trying to figure it out, the answer is unclear. It's unclear whether we should continue to invest in it or not. That's where that injection is required more frequently. So I I, I do have some sympathy for the emerging VC view of at the seed stage or pre-seed when it's you know the two co-founders and the dog trying to do that remotely. The dog's important. The dog's important. It's critical. My, my, my dog has a voice in decisions we make. Uh, <laughs> a loud voice, unfortunately, but he does. I do think there is some credence to the view that get into a room, feed off of each other, problem-solve build those really strong trust-based foundations that are so necessary when things get hard and they will invariably get really really hard in the early stages and even later at a startup
2: since so much of zen business technology and purpose is about the running and operations of a business how much are you guys eating the dog food
0: oh a lot i love that question in fact our ceo at an all hands you know talked about If somebody left Zen Business to start their own business, that's not a loss, right? We actually have a company benefit where you get to register the LLC and actually start your side hustle and use the platform that you get reimbursed for. We encourage it. We obviously ask that it not get in the way of you helping deliver the Zen Business mission, but so many of my colleagues have side businesses. It is delightful to see And some really, really interesting ones, one of them is doing 3D printing, one of them has a candle making business, one of them does personalized note cards, which in this day and age is, I think it's coming back in vogue because, you know, it's it's that human touch. I have a consulting business on the side because my entire background has been in fintech and every once in a while for private equity firms or for others, I, I act as an expert. So it is very present within Zen Business. It is highly encouraged. Uh, And frankly, as, as a chief product officer, I find that the feedback on the product from existing employees who are also customers is very vocal, very passionate, and incredibly valuable. You mentioned, though, a bunch of side hustles.
2: Versus at least the thought when I was asking the question was Zen business itself. So does the Zen business technology and model scale to larger businesses? Or when do you reach a certain point, a lot of these things become less technology and more, we have departments that are running these things. How do you you see that?
0: Yeah, I think our tools and services and experience is very tailored to an early stage business owner because their struggles are very different. They're very real. How do I stay compliant? I don't have a compliance officer. I don't have a finance person. It's all me, me, me. And I, I have no way of keeping abreast with that. So I turn to Zen Business for it. So, you know, we do see a few customers graduate from Zen Business to tools that are better suited for later stage companies. And frankly, that's a mark of success for us. The fact that somebody started with us and think of us almost as a K through 12 school, right? And if somebody goes to college, we we send them off with fanfare. They do stay with us for some of the products around compliance and formations. But honestly... You know, we have a business checking account. Their needs have probably outgrown what we offer. They probably need multiple people accessing the same account. They need complicated workflows and expense reimbursement for employees, which we don't have. And, and so, yes, they should go to somebody else at that point. Our goal is not to hold you here forever and constrain your growth. So that mental model of, you know, K through 12 works really well for us. And we love seeing people going to college.
2: Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I like the I, I like the model. So, Samir, this has been a lot of fun and really interesting. And we went everything from uh, Adam Smith to entrepreneurs to uh, AI. always like to end with the same question. I think it's interesting with you being in the Bay, but working for an Austin unicorn. So I think it's a, a great uh, perspective.
0: What's next, Austin? Well, a decacorn, Jason, I think. That's on you. <laughs> We're working hard towards that. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, I, I think, you know, Austin has shown that as an ecosystem, as a talent pool, as as a well-connected city uh, with ambition, it certainly has the potential to be the place which creates and not just the next set of unicorns, but also the decacorns. I'm optimistic about that. We We believe that we can be one of those. But that's what I see next for Austin.
2: Fantastic. I love it. From your mouth to uh, God's ears. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jason. It was a pleasure. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher. Leave us a review and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.